Hello, friends, and welcome to Thank You for the Music, the ABBA podcast you never knew you needed. We're your hosts, Lauren and Julie, and you're listening to People Need Love from ABBA's first studio album, Ring Ring. That's exactly how it sounds. The song we're singing this week is People Need Love. People do need love. They do. They do. It's very um, 60s flower power. That's what I thought. Did you read my notes? No. Lauren, I read your notes sometimes. Do you really? (laughs) I do. Just for inspiration, you know. Just want to, you know. Yeah. They're pretty powerful notes. They're very powerful notes. I enjoy reading them just to get a little taste of what you're going to be talking about before we talk about it. That's not bad. I mean, it's not bad. This song was ABBA's first single as a group. Did you know that? I did know that. Is it because you read my notes? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was because when we were recording the very first episode, that was the one note that I took. Yep, that's right. And that was the only fact that I've actually stated truthfully on this podcast. (laughs) Everything else has been just trash. Everything else is a lie. Don't come to this podcast for facts from Julie. Lauren, you can trust her. Don't trust me. Yeah. It was recorded on March 29th, 1972, and released on June 1st of that year. The B-side on this single was the song Merry Go Round, which in Japan, interestingly enough, was the A-side, but like with a different mix, and People Need Love was the B-side. I'm not quite sure why. Interesting. Have you listened to Merry Go Round? I did. I listened to some of it earlier today. It did not stick. I didn't listen to it, but I did read that fact that it was, you know, A-side, B-side with merry-go-round and uh, people need love. And I thought that that was fitting, though, because it does sort of sound like a merry-go-round song. Which one? Both of them? Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This song is thought to be the first song that includes the iconic ABBA sound. So regarding the song, Bjorn stated... We wanted this record to sound like the mixed groups who were in fashion at the time in the style of The Road or Blue Mink. The idea of yodeling at the end came from Anita and Frida. Uh, so if you're a big fan of the yodeling, you can thank <laughs> the two ladies. You know I for am. Just throwing that one in. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that some more, I think. The song was engineered by Michael Tritow, who was trying to create a wall of sound in a similar style to Phil Spector, which definitely think that he achieved that it's a uh, very aggressive at the beginning it is you can totally tell and i also learned interestingly that the single wasn't necessarily to promote the group of the four of them but more so to promote bjorn and benny as a duo even though the the two girls were singing along it was meant to be a bjorn and benny song interesting because they were all kind of committed to other projects at the time like bjorn and benny were were trying to make it as a duo anita had a tight contract with cbs Couple. Uh, So as a result, the single was released before the album Ring Ring was even planned. Well, it's funny because People Need Love is, it's a single. It's not really an album song, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's what you just said with that description is that it was a Bjorn and Benny song and then they threw it into this album to create a, a complete album. But I don't know, it stands out to me that it's not an album song, it's a single song. I would definitely, definitely agree with that. It did make it to number 17 on the Swedish evening chart. Evening? Evening chart. I guess it's just like the type of chart that they measure songs on. It includes songs in in various languages as well. 
which maybe differentiates it from other Swedish charts, and it reached the top 20 of the Swedish Singles and Albums chart. It did pretty well in Sweden. Yeah, it sounds like it. Actually, though, it was their first record in the U.S. to chart, peaking at uh, number 114. According to Stig Anderson, it could have been much bigger, if not for the limitations with the distribution resources of their label in the U.S. Playboy Record U.S., and we talked about this in Ring Ring. It's the same kind of situation where basically all the singles on this album got the short end of the stick and weren't distributed properly in the u.s so they didn't get any notoriety really maybe they got lost in translation maybe i mean they were in english but yes (laughs) no (laughs) no i understand what you're saying um so this song really interestingly i was watching this video on youtube last night about the history of abba and they mentioned this song as being what is known as schlager style music do you know anything about schlager it drinks really nice (laughs) Okay, true. Fair. Um, So this style of music is known for having sentimental or nostalgic lyrics paired with really simple melodies, sort of an attempt, at least in places like West Germany, to forget that the hardship of of World War II had happened, um, meant to be sort of an escapist, kind of idyllic sort of music genre. I, I think of like the sound of music when they're all just running around in the hills and they're singing the hills are alive, the sound of music. It's it's that kind of uh, energy. Uh, So in Sweden, in particular, Schlager has become fairly synonymous with Eurovision. So the Melody Festivalen, which is basically the Swedish prelims for Eurovision, has become commonly known as the Schlager Festivalen and Eurovision itself as Eurovision Schlager Festivalen. (laughs) Yes, it has. So yes, it has uh, to literally everyone. Uh, Schlager has waned in recent years, but it's still the most likely genre of music to win the Melody Festival in, in Sweden, which I thought was really interesting. That is really cool. In particular, the two characteristics of Swedish Schlager are, number one, the key change before the final chorus, and number two, the three-minute length, which is the maximum length allowed at Eurovision. Uh, and we see both of these in People Need Love. So I've got a lot of opinions on this song, but I will state that by learning about Schlager, it has given me a greater appreciation for what the song is and it as a product of its time, but it still didn't like significantly win me over having known its background and everything. So that's cool. That's neat that it's its own kind of music. And although it wasn't trying to be, or maybe it wasn't, um, it kind of turned out that way. Yeah. Let's get into your opinion, Lauren. So Overall, I would rate this a 4.3, mostly because I find it to be a pretty annoying song and uncomfortable to listen to over and over again. So I I will, of course, elaborate on this, but that is my initial gut reaction is that it's just a lot too much. So what what you're telling me, Lauren, is that on a scale of 1 to 10, if 10 was Chromatica and 1 was Agadoo by Black Lace, you would give it a 4.3. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, I would give it a 4.3 out of 10 Chromatica. Oh, very good. I would give it a score of (gasps) 4.2. Wow. Yeah. That's our closest margin. It is. We're almost on the same page with this one. At first, I had it at a 4.7, but then I looked back at my previous scores for some of the the other songs, and I think Another Town, Another Train, I gave that one a 4.4 maybe, and um, I liked this song less than I liked Another Town, Another Train, so I had to score it a little bit lower. Agree. 
So let's get into that. Let's get, let's, you know, let's talk about why. Let's get into it. It's a pretty hot take. Actually, probably not that hot of a take. <laughs> it's not. It's a lukewarm it's take. Like, it's a lukewarm. It's been sitting oh, out for a while. It's a lukewarm slogger. <laughs> yes. The song has an aggressive start, and I do not like the harsh sound of the first drum of the guitar, and more specifically, the the rising sound that they use to get into the chorus. Um, the like, like I don't know, it sounds like a like a drive by sound between the in the yeah. chorus and the verses. It reminded me of something that would be in like a horror movie for some reason. It's familiar. It's from another song. I feel like I've heard it from a Queen song or oh maybe another one another one bites the dust yeah yes that's what it is it's another one bites the dust that's what it is yeah yeah i agree that sound was off-putting and i don't think it was necessary for the song but i think that's what they were going for with that phil specter kind of wall of sound yes yes um starting off with the chorus was a bold choice but i can see where like you said the engineer wanted to create a wall of sound so starting out with something aggressive like that with the chorus makes sense but this kind of this trend of them starting with the chorus in in their songs, putting all of their eggs up front, continues on in their discography. Most notably, I would say in Dancing Queen. Yeah, and I think that's a more successful example of it. I would say this one is not that successful with it. Yeah, it's tough to put this song in the same breath as Dancing Queen to compare them to each other like that. But yeah, I would say Dancing Queen like definitely, definitely doesn't better. I think this is the quintessential 60s or 70s song. It's got themes of peace, love, flowers, schlager, yodeling. It's got it all. It's got everything. Yes. But I can see why it was popular back in the day it's one of those sing-along anthems that's really easy to learn and it's got some fun parts in it Mm -hmm. like the la la la's and the background vocals that will give everybody their part to sing right it is it is a happy song that i think everybody can enjoy and sing along to but it's not their best work in my opinion yeah Uh, I did like the call and response between the boys and the girls. I thought it was really clever how they structured the lyrics to be uh, like the boys singing about what men want and the girls singing about what women want. And I like that the girls are singing together. It it just reminds me of, you know, the beautiful synergy that happens between Anita and and Frida's voices. Uh, But the lyrics to me were a little bit sexist. Like particularly the first verse with the men generally singing about wanting a woman for the services that they provide to them. Whereas women wanting a man for the feelings that they get, like harmony, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. at least in the first chorus or the first verse, that was off-putting for me, but probably also just a sign of the times. Yeah, I think so too. I think you probably like the layers to this song maybe Mm -hmm. but the lyrics bring it down for me Mm -hmm. especially the one that says women women always knew that it takes a man to get matrimony and harmony i don't agree yeah yeah (laughs) i don't completely agree but i don't quite understand or like that they don't sing the second chorus they just sing na 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 Oh, yeah. That seems a little bit lazy. It does. I said it seems to cheapen it. It seems pretty lazy. <laughs> Did I read your review before this? May- <laughs> Did you read my notes? Ugh. <laughs> oh. Uh, and I also said that the, the guitar and the bass are basically just strumming quarter notes, makes it feel kind of lethargic. But I think that having learned about Schlager now, like that's a hallmark of Schlager, having pretty basic musicality, more akin to a ballad kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the message is a little bit dated, but 
I think it's overall it's a happy song that people would, would enjoy singing and learning but I think it's a bit dated I think it's a perfect song for the 60s and 70s but as a listener in the year of our lord 2020 I would skip it but I, I did make this note um one thing that I kind of miss and I really enjoyed uh was when my dad would drive me to and from college and we would listen to the station 70s on 7 on the XM radio and that was for almost the entire four hour trek so we got very familiar with 70s music um and they had this segment on the station called the jukebox of cheese and now it's called the jukebox of dynamite but i think that song would fit perfectly under that category of cheesy i can't stand the key change i gonna be honest. I don't know why. It just, it, it comes up and I'm like, nope, this isn't happening. Please don't let it happen. And then it happens and I can't, I don't know. It just makes me uncomfortable. Even though it's a staple of Schlager? Yeah. And I think it's because the song kind of occupies the same space in my head that songs like Baby Shark does. <laughs> because it's a super, super, super simple song that gets stuck in your head and the key change happens and you're like, oh my, it feels like you're going around this loop again. Like, you know, one more time. Like, it, it just has that feeling and it drives me crazy. That's a really good point. Thank you. And it doesn't have the re-listen ability. No, it does not. I wanted to shut it off after the first 20 listens. Yeah. <laughs> the, the yodeling for me was one of the better parts of the song for me. And I think it's just because it was so surprising. Wow. And so out of left field. Amazing. And it's like, you know, kind of the sort of quirky irreverence that has become synonymous with ABBA mm-hmm. in their later years. It was just, I don't know, surprising, and, and I kind of liked it. Yeah, it came out of left field, but I think it jives very well with the sound of the song. And this song, I think you said it before already, but it's kind of got a cyclical nature to it, like a baby shark or something. And to me, it, it kind of sounds like a circus song, and mm-hmm. I think the yodeling fit in well with that. Two last things for me. The overall balance of the song feels off, like the the verse to chorus balance. The chorus is repeated like four times and the lalas are repeated another four times. So it's eight times that you go through like the melody of the chorus and there's only two verses. So I think that also contributes to the cyclical nature and the like kind of like, oh my God, you know, are we done with this with this chorus already? Uh, it made it feel really clunky and kind of exhausting to listen to. Does it remind you of like an afternoon special song? Like, you know, back, back in the old days, remember? <laughs> Can you explain what an afternoon special is? I don't know, like an after school special. I've heard I've heard it referenced places. Yeah, this aired until January 23rd, 1997, uh, in which case I would have been a year and a half old. Oh my gosh, you're such a child. So no, I don't remember it. Like an after school special song? I don't know. It's like, hold on, let me Google it because I need to get my... <laughs> my uh, fact straight on this podcast it's very factual i don't know it just feels very much like a like a a local television broadcast done by children and they make their own tunes to it uh like a pbs kind of yes they have an after school special can you imagine a kids bop version of this song i can it's basically the same song it is it's already a kids bop version of itself it is 
Okay, and my last note that I wrote down, and it makes me really upset, but this song has the same issue for me that Ring Ring had, where I feel like the vocals and the instruments are competing against each other for volume. Almost as if, like, I don't know, the instruments just seem too loud to me. Particularly when the girls sing. I feel like I can't hear them, or they're just being drowned out. Lauren. What? I knew you were going to bring up Ring Ring. I always bring up Ring Ring. Because I had the same exact thought. They do, they do sound very similar. And like you said, the music is battling with the voices and it's not a good combination. They don't complement each other well and mm-hmm. it's just not successful. What a tough, you know, they can't all be amazing songs. Lauren, we're going to have to do a bonus episode to keep this thing alive. What, to keep the spirits up? <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> we will. We will have to. At least for ourselves. What's the next one? Oh, it's one of the brother songs. <laughs> No, it's I saw it in the mirror. Mm. Oh, saw it in the mirror. That's it. That's basically the whole song. Um, That's it. But then the one after that is Nina, which I am kind of excited to get to. Ooh, me too. And then we're like halfway through the album. Mm-hmm. So overall, People Need Love, it's a Bjorn and Benny song. And it's a, de- you know, it's a decent late 60s schlager song. Not that I've listened to many of them, but... It's a very good 60s, 70s schlager song. Yeah. I think it's a very good song for its time. But listening to it with my 2020 vision, as we've learned, is how you listen to music with your eyes. (laughs) It's just not the one. But very good back in the day. It may be my least favorite ABBA song. Ever? Maybe. You're already calling that one out. We'll see if it stands, but I'm gonna I'm gonna plant my flag. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to me, my brother, and Benny's brother, whatever the song is. He is your brother. No, me and Bobby and Bobby's that's brother. It. That's the one. Me and Bobby and Bobby's <laughs> brother. <laughs> Come on, you, we haven't even gotten to that oh, one yet. You know, and and I think it really does come down to the layering and the mixing of the song. And I, it just this one makes me very uncomfortable to listen to and I, in a way that I haven't encountered with any other ABBA songs. So I'm going to claim it. Manifest it right now. This is going to be my least favorite ABBA song. Wow. I'm not going to put that label on it just yet, but, but it's up there. Let's take a break. And when we get back, we'll dive right into what's abbotting this week. But first, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you join our Patreon. We've got some fun exclusives, including early releases of episodes, bonus content, stickers, and much more. And you can find us at patreon.com slash tyftm. You should become one of our Swedish meatballs. Yes, you should. Now back to the show. Julie. Lauren. <laughs> I love how we just address each other all the time as if we don't see each other or know. <laughs> as if we're not paying attention only to each other right now. I mean, my attention, I'm going to say my attention is split 50-50 between you and the giant picture of Cher behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, I forgot she was there. Julie, what's happening this week? Lauren, there's a lot happening this week, but the most important thing that's happening is that Miss Frida celebrated a birthday this week. Woohoo! I thought since it's her birthday this week, why don't we highlight her and give folks a brief look into her life and what she's up to now? What do you think? I love that. The only thing that I wrote down is that she's a countess. Good point. Yes. That's the only thing that I, I, before you said that you would take it, I did briefly look and I was like, oh my God, she's a countess. She is. Super rad. Love her. Oh yeah. And it's not just because of ABBA. 
So Frida was born in Norway, but she moved to Sweden when she was 18 months old. She packed up all her diapers and went there. So she was brought up mainly by her grandmother after her mother died when she was just two years old. And it was her grandmother who sparked her interest in music and in singing because her grandmother used to sing her some old um, Swedish songs and things like that. And then at the age of 11, she made her stage debut at a Red Cross charity event. Two years later, she started working as an underage vocalist in a dance band and performed with different bands for about a decade after that. Nice. So she's been in the biz for a long time. Long time. Let's see. On September 3rd, 1967, Frida won a talent contest in Stockholm. And immediately after her victory, she appeared on national television singing her winning song. I did not learn what her winning song was. Not that good at research. Um, And then soon after... Afterwards, she signed to EMI Records. And then from about 1972 and for the next decade, Frida was mainly occupied by her work with ABBA. Although she released the Swedish language solo album, Frida and Sam, which means Frida alone, in 1975. And then during the ABBA years, Frida also reunited with her father, with whom she got in touch with um, through a German pop magazine called Bravo. They were kind of estranged because he went to war um, when she was very young and then didn't see each other for a long time. Wow. Her song was called, in English, A Day Off. Good. Thank you for the English version. You're welcome. A Day Off. I bet she hasn't taken a day off since 1943. Frida's a hustler. She's a hustler. So a little bit of, of recent times. In 1990, she became a member in the committee of the Swedish Environmental Organization, nice. the Natural Step. And the organization wanted more of a famous face to help them reach the public. In 1991, she became chairwoman for the organization Artists for the Environment. So she's gotten a lot more involved with environmental and, and charity work since her days with ABBA. So that's been her main focus to date. And at 75 years old, I think she deserves a break. She's had a heck of a life. So good for her. Happy birthday. That's crazy. That's super, super cool. Yeah, we stand. We absolutely do. So yeah, happy birthday, Frida. Happy birthday, Frida. Lauren. Julie. I'm right here. I need to make a confession. Need to come clean. I have been jamming to Christmas music. (gasps) I know, I know. I swear to God, Julie, if it's anything but the Carpenter's Christmas album, I will be quitting this podcast. Oh my God. Um, It's a little mix of everything because I just turned on the radio station over the weekend and found out that one of the local stations has already started playing Christmas music and it's a little happy time, you know? I Sometimes in the middle of the summer, I play Christmas music just because it, it makes me happy. I feel that. I realize it's not even Thanksgiving yet, but... Yeah, this is this is middle of November. Yeah, it's a little early, but <laughs> I don't know. I just I've been enjoying it. But that is not my PB and Jam for this week. My PB and we'll get to Christmas. All right, we'll get to Christmas. We'll get there. I'm excited. My PB and Jam for this week. You. <laughs> I don't want to for Christmas. Oh my God, Lauren. My PB and Jam for this week is "We Don't Give a" by Neo. Have you heard of her before? I think so. It's not Neo. It's Nao. Oh. N A O. And she's a, a British artist, and she has such a unique voice, and it it plays very well with this song. I love the way the song starts with just her on the piano, and it kind of reflects the song's lyrics. Stay on me. 
We can manage turn the world upside down. It's a it's about a relationship between I guess her and and her partner and what she's trying to say is a relationship should just be about her and her partner and everybody else should just butt out and we don't give a fine fig newton what you think we're getting it on man I love that that's really good yeah the the song is about the two of them sharing some major attraction um some jungle fever as she calls it nice and speaking of jungle fever the little percussive moment right after she says oh got jungle fever first time it makes me think of of goosebumps or getting the chills when you're excited or you're nervous around somebody you kind of like and um or if you're you're experiencing some kind of pleasure like like i would if i'm eating peanut butter pretzels um but whatever you do on your tuesday night whatever and then at 40 seconds there's a little thump thump like a heartbeat that i really love and i just think it's a a phenomenal electro r&b song um, kind of reminiscent of the great hits of the 90s. And it's one of those songs that you can groove to. And I, I really enjoy it. I think I'm going to enjoy it too. It sounds like it's right up my alley. It's real good. Are you going to ask me or do you want me to just sit here? Lauren, what's your PB and jam for this week? My jam this week is a song that I got from an Apple commercial. <laughs> Actually, it's called Hello, 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 Polo and Pan Remix by Remy Wolf. Hello, hello, hello. I did listen to the original, which is also very good, but I think the remix is done really well and slightly better. It has like a different energy uh, and the remix is slightly higher energy. So of course, you know, I dig it. It's got really catchy hook at the beginning. Sounds like the intro to a 1950s laundry soap commercial. (laughs) There's a, a couple of really cool breaths that come in and right before they start singing, everything suspends as the breaths go like, and the singing starts yeah uh so i really like that i think that's really cool uh at about a minute and a half there's a cool little like ascending beat that always really gets to me makes me want to dance and and just overall like i feel like every corner of this song has a new musical element mixed in yes to create you know these kind of carefree fun vibes it's just really quirky and light and i really enjoyed listening to it also it references eggplant parm so like how could you not love it eggplant parm good jam i like it yes it does sound like elevator music doesn't it it's just like kind of but it's cool it's cool but it's really really cool yeah lauren thank you for the music and thank you all out there for listening to our show you can find us on instagram at ava podcast and become a supporter at patreon.com slash tyftm you can listen to other episodes of tyftm thank you for the music at abapodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts don't forget to rate and review the show and as always thank you for the music the songs we're still singing And you're being... Jesus. (laughs) How much slogger have you had today, Lauren?